0: Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. If you were to narrow down what it takes to make for a a good, stable society. If you're going to narrow it all down, like all kinds of ideas, what would be the one thing that would sort of form the bedrock of a stable society? If you were to imagine of you it, know, what, what would we think about? Like, some of us certainly would think, well, we better have laws. Like, we can build a, a stable society on laws, or maybe not laws. What if it's uh, common currency? Can you imagine if you went to a different state and it required different money? Maybe a common currency would be something that we would want to to build a stable society on or or, or maybe common goals. Like we're all after the same thing. That's that's something to build a stable society on. Some of you are like, uh, I'm not a sociologist. I don't know, what are you asking me for? But I think there's something really, really foundational And maybe for for you to think about as a whole society, maybe it's like, well, that's too broad. It's too broad for me to think about what would make for a stable society, but let's narrow it down a little bit. What would it take to make for a really good, stable relationship? I mean, many of you guys are married. Most of those marriages are stable. At least some of them are, right? Any of you in a stable marriage? Don't look at the person next to you. (laughs) Stable marriage. And I think if we thought about relationships, it makes it a little bit easier to understand, does it not? You say, "Well, well, what makes our relationship stable? And I think it wouldn't take very long for us to land on the fact that trust, trust makes for a stable relationship. Would you agree? Trust makes for a stable relationship. You know, it's the the foundation of all good relationships and at the same time, it's also the foundation of all good societies is trust. But I would imagine as you look around uh, the culture around you, one one thing becomes very evident in 2022 on Christmas Eve is that we're a society that lacks a lot of trust, are we not? That we're part of a society that really struggles to trust other people. You see, the trust is the foundation, but when there's no trust, how can we have any stable society? Think about your marriage. If you don't trust the person you're married to, how can you have a stable marriage? Every day that they're gone, you're wondering where they are. It's trust. You know, how many of you are familiar with this word truthiness? Have you heard this word? Truthiness showed up in the 1800s and then it disappeared for more than a century until 2005. Stephen Colbert came out with this word truthiness again, and he defined it this way, a truthful or seemingly truthful quality that is claimed for something not because of supporting facts or evidence, but because of a feeling that it's true or a desire for it to be true. This is truthiness. You see, trust in its purest form is based on objective facts that we all agree on. Like I would say, most of us in this room agree on gravity, do we? Can we at least come together on gravity? But in America in 2022, we tend to disagree on even facts, don't we? We tend to, like, some of you are sitting in this room and you're not aware that the person next to you believes something wildly different. And if you knew it, you might leave. Based on the disagreement around even things like facts. Because we don't take facts as much as we take how we want facts to be, right? We take how we want facts to be. Everybody's like, this is getting a little too uncomfortable for me. We disagree on facts. We want things to be true that we think sound true or feel true. The, evidence, or the existence of the word truthiness in our language suggests that as a culture, we have a real foundational trust problem. Would you agree? We have a foundational trust problem. What we as a society deem as true is anchored more in our own feelings about something than our, and our own desire about something that it is facts and evidence. Consequently, we tend to distrust everyone around us, right? We sort of like test them out, see if we can trust them, but we tend to start with this posture of distrust, and you guys are like, this is supposed to be Christmas Eve, Derek, don't you know? Baby, manger, happy, Right? Can't you just follow Evan and pass out presents? (laughs) Why are you talking about this? I'll tell you why. You see, we tend as a people to put everyone at arm's length, and because we don't trust other people, we only interact with other people on things that require trust to the degree that we absolutely have to. Otherwise, we keep everybody at bay and we never really form real deep relationships. And the reason that's important is because I think it's impossible to go through life this way and not project this distrust on God. I think it's impossible not to project that distrust on God. And here's what I want you to consider this Christmas Eve. I want you to consider the possibility That perhaps your default posture towards God is one of distrust. That the way you interact with God is out of a posture of choosing first not to trust before you trust. That you have a default posture of distrust. I just want you to try it on. Maybe it doesn't fit, like this jacket. Just try it on. <laughs> Preferably a week in advance. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I want you to consider the possibility that your default posture towards God is one of distrust. Now, some of you, that's a, I, you know, I know that. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, you know, I, I know I don't really trust God. I have my reasons. Derek, you don't know the church I came from. I walk into this building pretty hurt, pretty wounded, and I don't really trust God because of what God's people did to me. Some of you have really good reasons to struggle to trust God. And so some of you are really honest, like, I I know I don't trust God, but I want us to all consider that possibly possibly, we operate from a posture of distrust. Can we start there? We're going to build from there. Part of what it means to be a Christian is to be someone who makes a choice to trust God. It's to be someone who makes a choice to trust God. I want to read today from Luke chapter 1. The angel has just told Mary that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. And... You'll notice in her response that there's a maybe a hint of like, I don't know, I want to trust God, but there's a struggle there. Listen to this. Verse 34, it says, How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Valid question. You're going to have a baby. How will this be? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. And look at verse 37. This is what we're going to look at today. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. You see, the angel says to Mary, No word from God will ever fail. You can trust God. And of course, I could stand up here and tell you, You can trust God. I almost look as good as an angel, too. Almost. I would have gotten it altered. But I think whenever we say, you can trust God, it's not so much a statement of fact, I have discovered that I can trust God, but it's an invitation to you to evaluate whether or not God is trustworthy. And some of you, you're on the edge, you're like, I know I'm supposed to trust God, but I just don't. some of you are like, I want to trust God, but it's hard. And the angel is challenging Mary to consider, is God trustworthy? Can you trust God? And I want you to wrestle with that today. Can we trust God? Is God trustworthy? This is the invitation to you. Can God be trusted? How would you know? How would you know if someone was trustworthy? Those of you who have ever, you know, interviewed candidates for a job you know that the the best predictor of future uh, behavior and performance is past behavior and performance, right? Every time you go to ask somebody if you can borrow money, those of you who have bought houses, they want to know, well, when you've borrowed money in the past, do you pay it back? Right? And so the way that we would evaluate whether someone is trustworthy is we would say, in the past, when they've given us their word, have I been able to trust their word? Have they come through? And if you don't know someone, you ask someone else, right? Which is why a recommendation from a friend is helpful. Hey, I don't know this person, are they trustworthy? They've always done what they've said for me. That's why people ask for references for jobs. Is I want to talk to somebody that does know this person. Are they trustworthy? And so when the angel tells Mary that she's going to give birth to the Messiah, the angel points to another place and says, you can trust God because there's another time where God has promised something inconceivable and has come through. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. And Elizabeth and and Zechariah were trying to have a child, and you can imagine some of you know really intimately the pain of trying to conceive year after year after year and arriving at the place where it's like, we're too old now. We wanted a baby so bad. Some of you know that pain. And so they grieve, Zechariah and and Elizabeth grieve. And then an angel comes to Zechariah and says, you guys are gonna have a baby and you can imagine it feels like salt in the wound. It's like, don't you know we've been unable? And the angel says, you're going to have a baby. And then Elizabeth gets pregnant. What was impossible, God had promised, and it happened. And so whenever the angel invites Mary to, to consider trusting God, this seems crazy that you're going to have this baby. This seems like a crazy idea. He says... Here's the proof. Elizabeth is pregnant. And for some of you, you're like, oh, okay, so God promised Elizabeth, and it happened. And maybe that's enough to say, if God can do that, God can do that in my life. I can trust God. But if you're like me, most of us are like, I don't know Elizabeth. I don't know Zechariah. I'm going to need a little more than that. I'm gonna need a little bit more to just decide that I can trust God. And so I wanna give you something else. Christmas Eve, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But all the way back at the beginning of the Bible, for those of you who know, the first book of the Bible is Genesis. And at the very beginning of the Bible... We have this account about what's wrong with the world. It gets commonly referred to as the fall. It says, this is what's wrong with the world. And and the picture the Bible paints of what's wrong with the world is that people are inclined not to trust God. If you are someone here today who struggles to trust God, you are in a long line of human history of people who struggle to trust God. That's the very first sin in the Bible that he starts thinking, maybe God isn't trustworthy. Maybe I can't trust God. And in the face of, of the mistrust of humanity, God says, but I'm gonna provide for you. And the story starts at the beginning of Genesis and walks all the way through the Old Testament and over and over God is providing grace and providing for people even though they don't trust him. Do you know that God has provided you grace? And God has provided for your needs, even though you don't trust him, even though you struggle to trust him. And it's a challenge to actually believe that he'll do what he says he'll do till they get to Genesis chapter 12. And and God has this, calls this guy, Abram, out and he says, I'm going to make a promise to you, Abram. And here's what he says. Genesis chapter two or 12 verse two says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is about 2000 BC. God says, I'm going to bless the whole world, Abram, through you. And if you know the story of Abram, he gets a little bit too old How are we possibly going to have a kid? And I'm supposed to be, you know, through my family, you're going to bless the whole world. How's this going to happen? And God miraculously provides a child. And over and over and over through the Old Testament, God refines. I will bless the whole world through you. I will bless the whole world through you. I will provide for you. I will give grace for you. I will give mercy to you. I will give forgiveness to you. And my intent is to bless the whole world. You see, God's intent, even though we don't trust him, is to prove in a demonstrative way that he is trustworthy. That's God's desire is to prove to you today that he's trustworthy. Through the Old Testament, it gets refined. What kind of blessing will this be? God says the blessing will be born of a virgin and born in Bethlehem. This is a prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus shows up. God says that this blessing will be a king from the line of David. And over and over and over through the course of 1600 years, God continues to refine how He's going to bless the whole world. More than 300 ways called prophecies that God refines how he's going to bless the whole world. And then in what the Bible calls the fullness of time, Jesus is born to Mary. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that the angel made to Mary. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise that God had been making for 1,600 years to generation on generation on generation of people. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to you. You see, on Christmas Eve, what we celebrate is that there's good reason to believe that God can be trusted. We could celebrate the the. the Baby born in a manger, but what the the message is, is that God keeps his promises, that God is faithful, that you can trust God. But there's even more. You see, one of the promises that God has made is that Jesus would make it possible for you to be part of his family. One of the promises is that God makes it possible for you to be part of his family, to receive his inheritance, to know that everything about your life that has been a mess can be healed and can be forgiven. You see, the reason it's a good deal that we get to trust God is that we get to be included in God's family. The prophecies about the Messiah include that he would live the life of trust that we struggle to live. that Jesus himself would live the life that you and I only dreamed of living, where we trusted God fully. But it goes further than that. As one who completely trusted God, Jesus voluntarily laid down his life that every mistrust that you bring to him can be healed. Every posture of distrust can be forgiven. Every place in your life where you've decided, I know better than God knows. Jesus died to make that whole. Lived the life that you and I were to live and died the death that we were supposed to die that we might actually be able to be a part of God's family. What we celebrate on Christmas Eve is that a gift has been extended to you and to me. We all carry in here all of the mess that we've made in our lives. We put on a jacket that doesn't fit. We want everybody around to think that we've got it put together, but you and I know, even if nobody else knows, you and I know, that we carry a whole load of things that are not right about our lives. And the good news of Christmas Eve is that you can trust God, that God will provide for you, that God will give you grace, and that God extends an invitation to you to be a part of his family. You see, the offer to you this Christmas Eve is to receive the gift of Jesus. What it means to be a Christian, if you decide to be a Christian, it means I am going to place my trust in Jesus. I have found that God is trustworthy and even though I have struggled to trust him in the past, I want to begin to live a life of trusting God. That's the invitation, friends. That's the gift to you and to me that we can receive this gift that everything has been done to make it possible for you and for me to have a relationship with God that transforms our lives. But here's the deal. God doesn't want trust the way we do trust of the people around us. God doesn't want a relationship where we only extend trust to him in the places that we can't take care of ourselves. God's invitation to us is to trust him with everything with all of our lives, with every part of our lives. That's the invitation this Christmas Eve. And here's what I want to do. I think for a number of us in this room, I think we've maybe never placed full trust in in Jesus. We've sort of kept him at an arm's length and said, God, I'll do dealings with you as much as I have to. I'll show up to church when I feel like I absolutely have to. I'll trust you with some sort of afterlife thing. But the rest of it I got. And the invitation to you is to say, Jesus, I'm gonna trust you with my whole life. That's the invitation this Christmas. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of jesus christ with this be blessed and we'll see you next time